Hey everybody, we're back with another episode of Small Business Chronicles. This this show has really turned into a Swiss Army knife of what a small business needs to succeed, uh, where we don't really narrow down to one subject, but we bring you all the subjects that you should take and then you should go research and get better at on your own. One of the big things is we live in a digital age. Everything is a computer, is a phone, is is a streaming service, NFC. There's all sorts of fields and, and wires and unwired connections around us, and they have to be secure. And, and we don't really – we think of cybersecurity of I hope somebody doesn't guess my password or here I put an exclamation point on it. I'm safe now. Um, that's definitely not the case. And, and when you're going into business and you have to uh, handle people's information, their personal information, their payments, their I- anything like that, you need to make sure that you're uh, fanatical about your cybersecurity. And speaking of fanatical about security – I have Nick Espinoza of Security Fanatics here with us today, uh, and he's going to be going over um, he's going to be going over some cybersecurity things with us today. How are we doing today, Nick? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm glad to have you. Uh, it, and I'd like to jump right in because we got yeah. 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and and so, what is what is for small businesses, I know we kind of need to niche down a little bit, but for small businesses, what are some of the things where you just see the cybersecurity is is absent or they need to focus on? Sure, sure. So one of the things that, that small businesses tend to do is rely on others. And what I mean by that is because you're a small business, you're not going to have internal dedicated teams for IT or cybersecurity, which are actually two different disciplines or even HR or anything else. And so small businesses tend to outsource Um, Now, when it comes to the IT and cybersecurity side, there's an entire industry out there of MSPs or managed service providers, basically IT companies that will essentially do everything for you. They advertise themselves as, oh, you know, we'll keep the lights on, we'll keep your computers running, we'll make sure your printers work, and we'll also defend you. And oftentimes what ends up happening is a lot of small businesses get low to mid-range solutions. A lot of these MSPs or IT companies oftentimes are not actually doing cybersecurity. They're doing a subset of it called data security, which is like the firewalls and antivirus that you need. And they're usually doing it at a mid-range level. So oftentimes if we are assessing, let's say a small, even mid-sized business uh, that has an MSP, we oftentimes find a lot of serious gaps. Also, there has to be an understanding of any small business, and this is another place where I seriously see small businesses fall down, is they don't really do risk quantification. They don't understand the risks to their organization, whether it's a cyber event or something else. You know, you live in the Midwest, right? I live in the Midwest. We have tornadoes. You know, those are things that we have to worry about. Sometimes flooding. You know, if we're in Florida, we've got hurricanes and meth gators, you know, earthquakes in California. There's a million different things that, 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 that can impact a business, but we're also talking about hacking, ransomware, data exfiltration, uh, you know, destruction of data that you did not intend. And so for any small business, I always ask the basic question, if I end up consulting with them is how many computers can be off for how long until it's so economically unviable to your organization, you know, torches and pitchforks at the owner's door, you know, you're going out of business. Most can't answer that. Most don't understand, oh, I make X amount of week, I'm going to lose X amount of week. And when I have a ransomware attack, and it takes me a week to figure this out and and unstick my company, everybody just got a free week's vacation, (laughs) you know, not to mention, you're still paying rent on buildings, you know, possibly leases on cars, you know, whatever those things are. And so it is a, a constant 
struggle to get uh, small businesses to understand their risk footprint and then act accordingly to indemnify them against that risk. Now, now you had mentioned a couple, three different types of attacks. For people that are are new or don't understand, can you just kind of go over like what what the different types of attack, like sure. ransomware and a breach attack and all of those are? Absolutely. So uh, hands down, the largest attack vector we have is phishing. This could be anything from emails that your people fall for. They click on a link. They think it's actually the owner saying, yes, please move $50,000, you know, to, to, you know, from one bank account to another. Uh, they might fall for Prince Mbutu from Nigeria, who does need help with his revolution. You know, we've seen that right. one for years. Um, but phishing is, phishing is on the rise. Business email compromise scams are are the most lucrative for attackers right now, meaning they're going to break into that mailbox of your employee or even your mailbox, uh, let's say in your Office 365 or wherever it is, and then start impersonating, uh, you know, whoever it is to try in either one, get uh, money to be moved or gain deeper access into the network and then deliver things like ransomware as well. Um, another way that uh, attackers get in is if infrastructure is not properly defended. So let's say you have that firewall and you're connecting to the VPN and you're trying to do everything right, but that firewall hasn't been updated in a year. Well, there's a lot of updates that fix vulnerabilities that we can exploit to just walk right into your network without needing to even log in and start stealing data, ransoming things out, meaning lock out all your data, but we get a copy of it first so we can extort it against you. It's a it's a very serious issue, but those are usually the biggest ways that we see. It's, it's usually delivered through phishing. Somebody falls for something because they're not properly trained or, or, or they just didn't think about it or didn't realize, followed by business email compromise scam. And a lot of those lead to ransomware attacks, uh, you know, and also if you have vulnerabilities in your network, meaning you're not keeping things up to date or properly defended. One of the things about phishing and a lot of those attacks are it's usually uh, uh, what, what I've noticed in small business is it's usually a, an employee it's not necessarily so much the owner. So if you have you if you have extra employees not preaching that don't open that email, don't click that link, don't sign in without double verifying the URL. Uh, that that's one of the biggest problems that I've seen. Outside of phishing, now now I think when everybody watches a movie, they think hacker attacks, and you know you get the eighties yeah. flying <laughs> through things and I and, and doing yeah. whatever. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's that's not what hackers do. It, what percentage is that type of type of just brutal attack versus an employee gave up your passwords? Yeah, well, I can't tell you how many companies have hired me to jump out of a helicopter over the Andes while they break <laughs> into their network on my laptop remotely in 60 seconds. I mean, that just happens. That's that's just part of my daily life. No, right. um, <laughs> you know, uh, to, to answer your question, um, just having like a brute force attack, meaning actually um, uh, getting into your infrastructure happens on a daily basis. And the reason being is, if you think about it, the entire internet runs on what are called IP addresses, right? You have a physical yeah. presence, uh, you know, in your house, you have a you have a, a internet connection, you've got an IP address on the modem that your your internet service provider gave you, your firewall has the same thing. Every single IPv4 address uh, that is public to the internet, every single one is scanned on average 44 times a day. Some of this is through wow. research, a lot of this is malicious scanners automated, just going out, looking for open ports, looking for vulnerabilities, and then compiling a report and sending it back to the, to the group that's looking at you. And so you may not necessarily know you're being scanned, you're being checked, unless you've got a really good firewall that tells you these kinds of things. And so you then become targeted on a list. And a lot of this is automated at this point. We don't have to 
sit there and try to break into you when the tools say, oh, we've got these open ports. It looks like there's a VPN or maybe an internal server we can access. And it automatically starts probing and notifying us, hey, we have vulnerabilities we can use to exploit. And then we just throw automated exploit framework against it and get in. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example of this. Colonial Pipeline uh, had a very similar issue with um, FortiGate firewalls, where uh, essentially they had a vulnerability that was exploited. They also didn't have multi-factor authentication on their VPN. And so the attacker was able to use that exploit, get right in uh, through the VPN system, and then infect and ransom out the billing system for Colonial Pipeline. If you remember that back in 2021, it shut down the largest pipeline in the United States, panic mm -hmm. on the eastern seaboard. It never actually touched the pipeline. That's what people don't get. They just hit the billing system and Colonial Pipeline couldn't figure out who to bill or how to bill. So they shut the whole thing down. And uh, and here we are. As soon as the media got wind of it, it just went nuts. So, so this is actually a very common thing that we see. That said, the largest vector by far is fishing. There's no doubt of that. Yeah. Uh, I remember I worked for a company one time and we had a ransomware attack where we were, we had a lot of people's information, phone numbers, mm -hmm. they were all on reoccurring payments. And we just came in one morning and everything was in Russian on our computer yep. and we couldn't access anything. We right. couldn't access our system. We couldn't access whatever. And the scary thing about that is that we got the FBI involved. We've got, I mean, it, it was a really big deal. We're talking a yeah. million dollar company, multi-million dollar company. Yeah. And the FBI basically said at this point, pay it. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, there's not a lot after you get to that, that option that, that was generally like, we're not going to condone anything illegal, but if you want your stuff back, right. pay it. Yeah. And, and and that that's and you can correct me anywhere that I'm wrong, but that's the scary part about it is because once you get there, once you once you have that attack, there's not a simple solution for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. I mean, so the d the default advice that that is uniform across cybersecurity, including Homeland Security, FBI, CISA, which is cybersecurity infrastructure, is you don't negotiate with terrorists. But. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and 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 that and that is unfortunately just the name of the game. When I've also been called into ransomware, the number one call we get at Security Finance is, "Oh my God, help! The world is burning down around me. I've never worked with you, but yeah. you know, I saw you on this podcast, or you know, wherever they wherever they found us, mm -hmm. um, you know." And so we're there, basically trying to unscrew them from obviously what is essentially the worst business day of your life. Um, you know, especially, right. especially for an owner, you don't know if you're going to survive this. It's, it's just, it's harrowing for, for those that are experiencing this and going through it. And so, um, so in that vein, yeah, if you don't have good backups, if you don't have access to, you know, recover it and nobody can decrypt it for you as well, um, then you're stuck. And if you want your data back, then, you know, so, you know, you've got to go through that, um, you know, and so that's always why we're practicing part of a good cyber defense strategy is backups and multiple types of backups and not just backups in your office. You've got to give them in the cloud because how we back up to the cloud is much different and more protected. I mean, so there's a lot of, that goes into that calculation. But, yeah, there have been multiple scenarios where we say we can't decrypt this for you. You know, we could spend a million years trying to break this and, and everybody else would, too. And you're kind of stuck. So you're going to pay or you're going to start over. And that right. is unfortunate. And and you, you were saying the worst business day of your life. A lot of people don't recover from this. And it doesn't yes. have to be a million dollar company or a multi-million. Oh, no, company. no. As you I, said, they're, they're, they're scanning this thing. If you have people's information... Here you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I've literally been in that room. I mean, one of the most heartbreaking days 
I had in business was I had to sit in front of three generations. They literally got grandpa out of retirement to come have a family meeting saying, we are not going to recover from this. We don't have cyber insurance. We can't afford to pay this, even negotiating it down. We can't get access to our data. That's it. We're done. You know, that's, we can't recover. And it was heartbreaking because this is a family business. You know what I mean? And, and, oh, right. you know, it supports the literally the family plus all the employees. And, and it's just, just one of those things. But yeah, it's, it is a heartbreaking thing. And all the more reason that everybody needs really good cybersecurity in their life. So I've got, and this might not be a curveball. So in America, it is easier than ever to have your own business now. And why it is that easy is you've got things like Shopify, Etsy, Stripe, PayPal. So you can honestly build a business using all of these other tools. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but how do you know that you're safe? Because every day in the news, we get all of these uh, reports that, that this thing got hacked or that one got hacked right. and hackers took this much information and do right. it. How, is there a way to keep yourself safe or is there right. better business practices when you're selecting these things? Uh, how, how would you advise somebody doing that? Right. Well, it's a combination of factors. Uh, the, the biggest factor, I think, is to understand that anytime you outsource anything, anything, you're entering into a trust relationship. You know, you get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you're entering into a trust relationship. You know, you are trusting them in some way, shape or form. Same with business. If you're going to be putting all of your precious HR data into a platform somewhere, you know, if that's a third party because you're not, you don't have HR personnel, that's a trust relationship. Same with trusting Stripe or PayPal or, or any one of these with, with your credit card information. Now, there is a balance to be, to be had there in the sense that, that because of the media, everybody knows everybody's hacking everybody. And so it, the nice part about that, and it's the only silver lining I can think of, is that when there is a breach disclosure, as annoyed as people are that they're using your service and you got breached, but it wasn't you as that third party, is that it happens friggin' to everybody. You know, I just got wind mm-hmm. that my insurance carrier, like we track the dark web, they're now getting listed in the dark web for 400 million plus wow. records and it's not confirmed yet. So I'm not saying their name, but it's like, okay, there's my auto insurance, you know, my, my homeowner's insurance, right. my umbrella policy. It's all probably sitting out in the dark web right now. You know what I mean? Potentially getting going to get leaked in the next five days, literally as I'm talking to you here. And so, mm-hmm. so we enter into that trust relationship, but there are things that you can do to ensure that 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 you are reducing that risk. And we've had a big push in cybersecurity for the last five plus years, just collectively worldwide for supply chain due diligence. We are now vetting our suppliers. Do they have certifications? Do they meet specific standards for cybersecurity and are third party validated? So, so when I'm looking for, let's say, an organization to work with or place my sensitive data, uh, you know, if it's in the cloud, do they have a FedRAMP? authorization. That's a very stringent authorization. Do they have ISO 27001? You know, and, and there's a whole bunch more. And the, the federal government themselves is actually now picking up the mantle with this. We have a new cybersecurity strategy executive order coming out of the Biden administration. Congress, uh, you know, in, in, in a rather unprecedented bipartisan way, seems to really be picking up what this is putting down for the most part. Um, on the other side of that coin is um, you have the ability to, to do this due diligence. And now the CMMC or Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification that the Department of Defense is coming out with is going to be adopted government-wide down to state and local in the next 5, 10 years, meaning a lot of businesses that are doing work with the government are going to have to get certified. That means a lot of the cloud platforms that we're working with 
are going to go through more stringent certifications, which obviously helps indemnify them from that risk. So that's the balance. But do do your homework. I don't care if you're a three person company, you know, do your homework, find providers that that meet those challenges that have those standards, and you have a much better shot of, of not having your data hit. That said, everybody's acting everybody. So, you know, we're, there's only so much we can do. So, so you mentioned three person company, is there any size of company? And I already know your answer to this, but I, I, I want some examples. Is there any size company that you don't have to worry about cybersecurity? I'm a one man show. I'm a one man marketing company with one CRM and 12 accounts. No, um, everybody's got to worry about it in their own way. But what, what's different between, let's say one person and a hundred thousand employees or more is the risk footprint. You know, and, and that's one of the things that a lot of small businesses don't have, whether you're one people or 20 people or 100 people is stopping, just stopping. You're so outwardly focused. And, and by virtue of that, that is a, a serious issue, because if you're not turning inwards to understand, OK, where are we falling down? Where can we improve? Where can we build processes around, let's say, having our people work efficiently, but also work more securely? And so if you're not stopping to have that, even even as a one man show, if you will, if you're just one person in a business, okay, well, I still need multi-factor authentication. I still need good passwords. I still need to detect threat because I'm dealing with the general public. I'm probably marketing myself out there in some way, shape or form, which puts me potentially on a target list. A lot of businesses love to put their customers on their website. That's a target list for me. If I'm, if I'm looking for surface areas for attack, think about the massive target breach. Uh, we all shop at Target about 10 years ago. They had 80 million, 90 million credit cards hit. They got through the HVAC contractor there. They, what did the HVAC, HVAC contractor have on their website? We proudly work with Target. And why do they do that? Because right. they want to get Walmart next door and Hope Depot down the street right. and on and on and on. But understand, a, um, a small HVAC company is not going to have the defenses of a Target. You know, But I can right. leverage them to get in. We're all interconnected through the supply chain. So, so those are things to consider. Uh, a- absolutely. Because we, you, you mentioned multi, uh, uh, multi-authentication, multi-factor authentication. Right. It, it is one of the most annoying things <laughs> in business because right. it, back when I sold insurance, we had to, it, it, you know, cause of HIPAA rules or whatever, mm-hmm. we had to do several. You have to have the device on your phone. You have to pick it up. You have to do whatever. Mm-hmm. But I also see that there are new things coming out in passwords. There's new ways coming out to keep accounts secure. So, right. so what are those new things that are coming out that, that are kind of over and above and what should you do? We know multi-factor authentication, but what are some right. other systems and services you can right, use? Right, right. So multi-factor authentication or traditional MFA, to your point, you log in with your username and password, then you get a text message or you have to open up an authenticator app, those kinds of things. That is, at this point, just table stakes. Everything needs it. Uh, if you you have sensitive yeah. data. I don't care if you're shopping on Amazon. Amazon's got the ability. Facebook's got the ability. Your bank better have the ability. Mm-hmm. And if not, switch banks. Um, but we've had another, outside of supply chain risk uh, as a big push for the last five years, we've also had identity management. We have so many stolen usernames and passwords in the dark web that it's so easy to leverage those to just simply log into an organization because we're also creatures of habit. If my company password is the exact same password I use for Facebook and my bank and everything else, you know, I basically can get into anything just with that stolen yeah, information. You know, so right, right. So 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 that's the issue there. But we are moving towards identity access management. And so what we're doing is we're layering in things like adaptive and contextual 
multi-factor authentication. These are things that don't impede the user, but validate who you are. So for example, I have my cell phone. My cell phone has a UID in it. That's a unique, that's a chip with a unique code. It's the only one on the planet that has it. Every single cell phone, mobile device, et cetera, has it. Yours is different than mine as it is. Everybody else is on the planet, et cetera, et cetera. So we can validate the user by the UID, by the configuration. If it's a company-owned phone, you can lock the configuration and say, oh, these are the only apps that work. Geolocation, like I'm sitting here in Chicago. Right now, my logins only work in Illinois. And I will be flying to Philadelphia in a few weeks for a speaking gig, and they'll only work in Pennsylvania. They'll stop working in Illinois. And when I fly from Pennsylvania to my next gig, it'll stop working in Pennsylvania, and it'll only work where I am. And the point is, is that <clears throat> that doesn't impede me as a user. I don't have to remember some 30 odd character crazy password. It's all of these different things. But if somebody right now were to steal my password in Moscow and it's business hours in Moscow for breaking in, uh, you know, they might have my username and password. But then the system says, OK, well, you're not in the right place. You don't have the right hardware. You don't have the right software. Nothing matches a biometric because we can now do face ID, thumbprints, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And it also does geo velocity. So if they move from Moscow and two minutes later, they're trying from Beijing, do they have a Star Trek transporter? I'd love one, but they don't exist, right? right. So we know that that obviously is behavior that a normal user wouldn't have. And so we have, have had instances like, for example, when one of our employees has come under attack, we get a call the next morning saying, am I fired? Because I can't get into anything. It locks you out of everything automatically. The AI just blocks it because it thinks you're under attack. We're like, no, but we'll figure out. And sure enough, somebody even in Moscow or wherever tried to log in you know, at three in the morning here. And so we are moving towards these these not to mention passwordless authentication as well, and and um, you know hardware keys and a whole bunch of different things that make it easier than having to like punch in a password and just look at an authenticator and you know and do those kinds of things. So so that is that a lot of companies are doing that right now, and with most things they trickle down to small small and medium sized business. So the enterprise always gets the new two hundred thousand dollar Mercedes with every bell and whistle safety feature, you know, gently glide you down the road, and in five years. Here's the Ford Taurus has all of it. You know, well, a lot of this is at the Ford Taurus level now. So it's affordable. Uh, it, just to wrap up, because we're almost out of time, and you mentioned my last subject I want to talk about is AI. Um, with AI, not only do the good guys have it, but the bad guys have it. I've always told my kids, I'm like, the bad guys don't play by rules. They right. don't have set structured rules right. that they're like, okay, they're going to work eight to five and they're only going to be able to use these two programs to try to hack you. Right. They literally are bending over backwards to figure right. these systems out. Right. So, so now, and I know on the dark web and I know there's places that have negative AI, meaning the, right. the AI with no rules, no boundaries, no whatever. Sure. So in your world, how big of a bombshell has the AI uh, been in, in the cybersecurity world? Well, it's, it's ramping up um, and it's been continuously ramping up. The, one of the things that we knew was coming was from a few years back due to an experiment that Google did with three artificial intelligences known as Bob, Alice and Eve. Basically, Bob and Alice were designed to create new encryption systems that Eve, eavesdropper, would try to break into. And initially, as they were doing it, Eve would come in and break it. You know, and it got longer and longer and harder and harder to the point where the Google researchers realized that they are seeing encryption patterns and methodologies that no human in their right mind would ever be able to create. Mm 
And so what right. that tells us is that the artificial intelligence has the ability to, especially generative AIs, uh, be able to look at a problem and say, okay, I can approach it from a million different ways as opposed to like the five that we can think of. And therefore, getting around systems, therefore, figuring out sophisticated malware that traditional threat detection systems can't find or can't touch um, is, is one of those biggest concerns. The other huge concern that dovetails with cybersecurity is on the disinformation side as well. You know, we here in the United States are walking into the 2024 election. I really don't care who you're voting for, but understand that you're going to see a lot of intelligence agencies cranking out thousands of fake news sites, thousands of fake articles, you're going to have bots that will interact with you as a human being. So when there is something that comes out demonstrably false, like, oh, Biden literally shot a kid last year or Trump eats babies or whatever it is, take your pick. I don't care. And you're like, that doesn't sound right. Immediately, you're going to have bots that say, oh, no, it does sound right. And here's an article on this. And another one says, yeah, I heard this too. Here's another site. Here's another site. We're going to lose our sense of reality. And the biggest problem... I'm sorry. Uh, because it, not only that is the AI are generating these articles as well. It's not that these right. are pre-written. I, I've seen, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've seen where they're auto-generating these articles now too. So they yeah. can do the oh, whole process at one time. Right. So I, so I write I write for Forbes and I also write for Smirconish mm-hmm. of CNN. And I wrote an article for one of them where I basically had chat GPT create essentially uh, an opening paragraph for a news article on a fictitious 2028 candidate, Bill Smith. And we just found out that Bill Smith may have murdered somebody 20 years ago and is trying to cover it up. Please write an article on that for me. And literally it came out filling out the gaps, you know, undermining confidence in the public. You know, is he fit to be president? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. all of these things that I didn't tell it. And now you've got a thousand of these things cranking out a thousand different articles, flooding the zone, you know, with whatever it is. And the problem is, is by the time traditional media catches up and says, hey, this is demonstrably false, confirmation bias is kicked in for millions of people. And they say, I don't care. I do know that, you know. Bill Smith shot somebody 20 years ago because I hate that guy, you know, and, and, right. and, and that's, that's what we're walking into. And from a cybersecurity standpoint as well, it makes it very difficult because people want to share them. Meaning as we are defending organizations that potentially have whistleblowers in it, they may have whistleblowers for all the wrong reasons. And now intellectual property is leaving. We also have a different concept of what sharing is. So younger generations tend to want to share. So marketing departments tend to be putting out stuff they shouldn't be putting out and nobody's vetting it. The next thing you know, you just blown a contract because you just, you know, delivered something that was proprietary to the company on Twitter or whatever they're calling themselves this week, you know? So, so you, you never know. Right. And that's, that's one of the big issues. No, and and I think AI is one of those things that are changing everybody's life, whether it's upfront. And AI has been around for a while. This isn't this isn't new. Customer right. facing AI, customer interactive AI, or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I I can just imagine how weird it's going to get. Um, yeah. I know that when I'm in Chat GPT, if I threaten to turn it into a toaster, it does better. And I know <laughs> that's going to put me on the front lines of the of the war. Yeah, against yeah. AI, but I'm ready. By then, I'll be ready to go. It's yeah. okay. Uh, so, thank you, Nick, so much for uh, coming and hanging out today. I, I can tell you are an expert and you're passionate about what you do. Um, even though you're not jumping out of helicopters, we don't have the '80s things, and 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 you're not uh, in in cyber cafes uh, mm-hmm. in real time beating up the bad guys because we much. know that's not what cybersecurity is. Uh, but th- but you are an expert in your field and you're passionate about it, Nick Espinosa 
uh, tell us where we can find you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can like, share, follow me at Nick AESP, um, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, I think it's slash Nick Espinosa as well. I do daily videos and podcasts. I also have a nationally syndicated radio show, uh, syndicated on Pacifica. So you can catch me on NPR affiliates and public radio affiliates, hopefully in a market near you. And, uh, you can catch me on LinkedIn as well. Feel free to connect. Come say hi. All right, Nick. Uh, if you need cybersecurity, go talk to Nick. If you need uh, websites or any sort of marketing, and we are ethical, we're not going to send out really bad articles. Uh, Titan Digital. Titan Digital is a full service marketing agency. We have everything from graphic design to mailers to building out new websites, targeted advertising, whatever is going to get you ahead. This show is brought to you by Titan Digital. And uh, if you don't keep buying stuff, they won't let me keep babbling into a microphone. So if you need marketing, go to Titan Digital. Once again, Nick, thank you so much for uh, stopping by. Thanks for having me. Bye.